Welcome to the Art of Floundering Podcast. Peace and love. Peace and love. Welcome to the Art of Floundering Podcast. Late night radio show number three. Before I get started, an apology. I attempted to live stream about 30 minutes earlier. I want to start doing a consistent show at 9 p.m. Mountain Time as often as I can, which will probably be almost seven days a week. And that'll be my my thing to be accountable to, and I'll just figure out how to make it interesting with guests or whatever. But it's going to be a late-night radio show when everything winds down. Puppets, don't think I'm going to do a lot of live puppet shows. But we're going to be, I am working on another Chad and Karen. Mr. Flick, I really need you to pay attention to it. Because all of you need to watch the Spanky's animation series. Just so everybody knows. Well, let me, I'll get to the puppets here in a second. Right now we're streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, in that video format, you know, streaming video, as well as on Twitch, and I'll get to Twitch in a second. We also stream uh, to Podbean. It's a podcast app. You can listen to it on your phone or on the PC. I wish they'd improve it. It is what it is, but it's kind of fun uh, to do this. Copies of all of our podcasts can be where you download uh, your peachy keen favorite podcast to include Amazon Prime. And I got a big announcement about that coming up here in a second, as well as YouTube. Now, getting back to Twitch, it doesn't really matter because I don't have an epic following, but this Twitch thing is new. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they're very confused. They'll get Filthy Puppet Show and then Old Man High Talk. And this is a gaming channel, and I know that I'm not reaching the degenerate pothead gamers over on Twitch. Well, look, let me just lay it out for you. You guys on Twitch may think you're radical, but guess what you really are? You're Bezos's little data bitches. So that's how fucking gangster you are. Don't even come talk to me, man. So, but I'm just joking. I, will, I thought, you, there's a couple things about Twitch I don't like. They don't keep the videos up there longer than shit. Unless I set it up with my Amazon Prime account, which is under my real name, which incidentally is not Will Dick. But anyway, so, <clears throat> so that's that drama, man. So let's talk about, real quick, the creative energy part of this, man. If you're into puppets, dude, like, look, nobody needs to know. I'm certainly not going to tell anybody. But if puppets are your thing, dude, like, if puppets do it for you, well, not only are we bringing back the puppets, but we're not going to, we're not half-assing it. We're gonna move the we're gonna move the rock with each episode. It's gonna get better technically, better artistically. If you start, you I promise you, you'll get wrapped up in what happens to our characters. Now we start, and I'm just gonna bring everybody up to speed because, gosh darn it, this is important. Because at the same time, what I'm doing, because I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to teach myself. I fancy myself. Uh, this is the only thing, uh, you know, it's something to do with my time, and I'm trying to improve filmmaking skills and storytelling skills. So, here's the challenge. I was doing a series on alien abductions, and I suppose I still am, and I'll get to that later. But I thought, gee whiz, wouldn't it be fun 
to put some of this insanity to puppets. So we started with uh, Bigfoot and the dawn of time here on Earth. And we got visited by aliens and the aliens. Best they could find was Bigfoot. So they abducted him and did a DNA extraction and created us. Okay, so there was this whole series of how it came. I mean, I mean, it took a while. I'm giving you the too long didn't read, okay? Because there's a lot of tapestry in there that you're missing in that story. Like Anakin Hempwalker for example. Anakin Hempwalker was, uh, well, still is, you know, depending on what dimension you're rolling in, but Anakin Hempwalker's from the Xenu Defense Force, man, and he was getting ready to wash out a Top Gun uh, Xenon fucking spaceship fucking school for being a fucking hardhead and buzzing all the moons, dude. Sir Admiral Chesty Polar shit canned him, sent him down to Earth, and said, Ewan's there, Ensign, fucking Anakin Hempwalker, Ewan's find someone that could, if that's, is that, let me know if that's intentional. If that's intentional, say something in the comments, and I'll do my thing with the sound. So, then, they go, Ewan's. So, then, anyway. Anyway, so I got a little distracted. Uh, if anybody wants to call in, that's great. Just do me a favor. Type in a comment so I know that your call's not a butt dial and I don't interrupt the energy of what I'm doing. All right, so now they abducted Bigfoot. Uh, you know, Anakin had a real hard time. He couldn't even communicate with the dinosaurs. I've got it all captured, dude. And it's all factual. Okay, flash forward, man. What about what's going on now? Well, we've, we're, we're introducing Chad and Karen because Anakin Hempwalker has got to come back to Earth because here's the deal. Xenu, which is pretty much the top dog in the entire fucking universe, is, uh learned how to tap into the power of intergalactic hemp, which means... They cured all diseases, solved all problems, and life is super-duper peachy keen. There's not anything they can't accomplish because of tapping into the power of the intergalactic hemp. However, as Xenu progressed as their superpower, they got arrogant. They didn't think long-term, and after about 5.4 billion years since visiting Earth, they started realizing they're going to be tapping into their strategic reserves of intergalactic hemp. Most of the planets within their larger domain have been scavenged, and they're going to need to give them a rest for a bit. But that's okay, because we should be capable of doing our part. And see, the plan was Anakin Hempwalker would come down here and find that we're capable of doing this. And once that happens, they'll reveal. But if we're not capable, it could be ugly. But right now, where we're at in our story is they've abducted Chad and Karen. And let me say something real quick. If you're into puppet love scenes, then you've come to the right place. Because you see, the aliens... There's a statistical fucking correlation, a certainty. If you choose to use the pot, addict, degenerate, you will be abducted by aliens. The odds of that happen have increased. And of course, Chad and Karen are degenerate pot users. And there they were on the shore, man, getting their 
fucking high on. And they were so deludedly high on the pot, man. The Karen started going down on Chad's marijuana cigarette. And Chad was like, that's right, Karen. Drive it home, mama. Just then, Anakin Hempwalker was given a little partner. You see, the extraction... The extraction, the DNA extraction from Bigfoot. Don't worry, we're going to get to the pot and the ketamine part. But the DNA extraction that Anakin Hempwalker did to Bigfoot, it kind of traumatized Hempwalker. So, Admiral Chesty Pauler of the Xenu Defense Force, dude, set him up, man, with Hempy 3PO, dude. And Hempy 3PO helped, helped Anakin Hempwalker abduct Chad and Karen. And now, just, and Super Duper Peachy Keen Kid was going to get introduced. So what we're going to find out in the next episode is we're going to have a pretty good deep dive into exactly, you know, in detail, the probing experience that Chad and Karen apparently were headed to as we left the last episode. In addition to all of that, Knuckles the Clown will be reintroduced, and I want to promise you, he's going to be reintroduced in a big way. I have started doing a story of Knuckles, who's a a clown prodigy. He's from the streets of the AC, which is code for Atlantic City. The setting for Spanky's Experimental Puppet and Theater Company, puppet show that I do, it's Atlantic City. It's not the glamorous side if there is one. No, it's the seedy side, the shitty side. The side of town that everybody forgot about when they said they were going to come in with these casinos and everybody that lives in Jersey is going to be A-OK. Yeah, well, so that's Spanky's environment. And that's the environment for Spanky's puppets, dog. And Nucky's from the streets of the A.C. And like a lot of the ham and eggers on the streets, Nucky doesn't have a lot going for him. He seems to have a peculiar love of the pot, but also he's rather prodigious in the subtle art of clownology. So much so that over time, as Nucky was coming up, the word on the street was, He had the potential to be the greatest clown of all time. Needless to say, Salvatore Bellari from the prestigious Atlantic City Clown College offered Knuckles a full ride, dude. And Nucky took to it, dude. Now, he still would occasionally flub up and embrace the fact that he was the end of the day a total marijuana fiend but he was able to keep it together enough for everybody to recognize by senior year nucky was no doubt well on his way to valedictorian he was going to graduate some come loud and in fact there was already talk of nucky heading right to the top headliner man not even having to work the single a clown circuit but get a shot immediately upon graduation at the show Three months away from that date, all Nucky's got to do is ride it out, man. And then his good pal Sal said, Hey, Nucky, here's an opportunity for us to give back, man, to the good folks in Idaho. There's going to be a a family-friendly circus that we're going to put on. Atlantic City Clown College is going to put on to the good family-friendly folks in Idaho. And Nucky didn't know where the fuck Idaho was. And he asked Sal, 
Yo, Sal, you know I don't do the pot or anything, but do they allow that in Idaho? Oh, Nookie, they do not. I think most of us know that there's not a lot allowed in Idaho. And when Nucky got there, the road got to him, the boredom. And as he was waiting for the big climactic end to the clown, to the big fucking benefit, family-friendly, fun circus time event, they're like, are you ready, kids? Put your hands together, man, because Knuckles is going to come and blow your mind. Ooh, I've heard about him. I heard he's going to be the greatest clown ever. Kids, this is going to be a great opportunity. Well, while everybody was getting jazzed up for what should have been, could have been a wonderful evening. Could have been something we all talk about, man. The night that Nucky busted out in fucking Idaho. But instead, you know what Nucky did? Nucky fucking ran, ran into some ruffians, dude. And who offered him some of the local homegrown. And Nucky partook of it, dude. And he also did sexy time. But he didn't understand, man, that for some reason, just because the pot was illegal in Idaho, they knew a lot about farming there. And they they grew some wonderful fucking weed and Nucky wasn't ready for it. And he started hallucinating, man right during sexy time and but he did more and then when it was showtime needless say nucky flubbed up and he was kicked out of atlantic city clown college man and nucky can't clown you because he's not a clown he's a clown college dropout well are we gonna give up on nucky just because he flubbed up well tune in because we're gonna find out nucky's gonna be reintroducing in a big way man his comeback show that's right as part of the overall tapestry and we're gonna start introducing more characters and more characters and ken and barbie and our time machine so please join it also i will be trying to up the game with music i'm going to talk to some people and get some different voices in the puppet show. Now, I get jazz talking about the puppet show. You want to know why? I get into these stories that I just told you. I know they're silly to you guys. I think they're kind of fun. I try to make them fun. And for a guy who's just sitting or laying around, I think it's something. Give them a shot. There's more to it than the silliness. Tell your friends. Have them like. Type in a review. A comment. All the time. Help me. Help me with the analytics. Why? Because. ADMF. Peace and love, man. Because. Here's the thing. Switching gears in the academy. I backed off on. Peace and love, man. I backed off. First off, let's talk about a high level. I'm going to ketamine for pain. Now, I don't do numbers on pain. If I didn't go to ketamine, I couldn't sit in a chair. If I go to ketamine, I can sit in a chair about four or five hours a day. That's huge. It's worth it, right? However, once a week, the, the zaps my head where I would I would sleep for about almost two days, and then I'd have this really blue period, like where my my it's, it could be unpredictable. I could be in a great mood or I could be in a bad mood. That I gotta work my way out of right and if i was in a bad mood i'd work my way out of it just to get my head zapped so i backed off i'm gonna so tomorrow it's once every two weeks try to keep it at a clip but getting back to what i'm trying to attempting attempting i got some clarity you see here's the thing i'm no expert on tripping prior to ketamine you know i did like acid or at least i think it was acid when i was like 17 
and I basically cried most of the night about the dead bugs that were hitting the window and how the dude that was driving the car was murdering everybody. And it just wasn't fun. And it's probably a couple things. I got a lot of theories about why it wasn't fun. One was I was 17. There's something about, well, look, I'm 57 and I'm in horrendous health, man. Which means there's really no downside to any of this. It's like, hey, you know, uh, if you do ketamine this often, it could, well, whatever, dude. It's not like, you know, the present state is super duper peachy keen. But anyway, man, but so I want, I'm not like an expert at this shit. Now I want to be because I, I'm, this has opened my eyes up to a lot of other possibilities. Um, so as far as the time I've been using, gee whiz, it's almost been a friggin' year. I, I started December of, uh, last year, you know, right around the time when they said we're going to do spine surgery and I'm still waiting for that. And I'm not, we're not talking about that tonight. That's scheduled, you know? But the cl- I, I had some clarity, you know, um, on, it's like, I talked about this last night, and we'll talk about it again. It's called the Stockdale Paradox, and it goes a little something like this. Admiral James Stockdale, now he's passed away. He was a POW during Vietnam. He was shot down in 65, spent over seven years as a POW, routinely tortured, beat, blah, blah. He won the Medal of Honor. Um, he's an, an amazing story. During an interview, they asked him, you know, why did, you know, <clears throat> why did you, why did you make it? How did you survive? And he said, I never once doubted, not for a moment, that I was going to get out of that situation. And however horrific it might be, he's going to, I'm going to be able to get out of here and turn the situation to do good. And so it's like a seminal part in my life and I'll look back on it and I'll be thankful I went through it. And then the interviewer asks him, okay, that's a great super duper attitude. Who didn't make it? And he goes, the optimist. The optimist would go, oh man, hey everybody, we're going to get out of here by Christmas, man. Christmas would come. Okay, it's Easter. So the optimist eventually would quit, would die of a broken heart almost. So the Stockdale paradox is you have to have faith, hope coupled with pessimism. Or another way to put that is the ability to brutally assess reality because to do otherwise puts you at risk of surviving something you know that's why i'm big on this toxic positivity don't do that it's like you know if, if stockdale was gonna sit there and go like oh yeah this is great i'm so thankful they're beating the shit out of me no dude he's like i'm gonna get out of here but it ain't gonna happen anytime fucking soon so while they're beating my ass i'm gonna fuck i'm working on perfecting my stoicism or whatever other shit these guys did in parallel to get through it and every fuck story is amazing but that concept the Stockdale paradox now business schools of course have taken that there's a book called good to great or something and they've tried to apply that and that's you know what that's no longer my world this is about life and just getting through the shit that comes at all of us man and I just think it's good I've just like I've always said this even if you know I will sit here and talk about the times that I cry and da 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 through this but I've never doubted but at the same time about as cynical as the day is long man you know so these traits that aren't good sometimes are that's what ketamine ketamine it's weird it's kind of like a sex dream 
Okay, okay, let's get back to the ketamine. I'm sorry, I got a little bit ahead. Now, for pain relief, I don't want to act like I'm like some fucking expert, okay? And I am not a doc. I am not a medical professional. I'm not an expert. I'm just a douche that does fucking clinical ketamine, okay? And I'm giving you my experience, man. Please fucking talk to, you know. So this is just my experience. Please, 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 please. Please, don't go to the fucking internet, man, for medical direction. It's cool to listen to shit, dude, but, you know, I, I, I would just, oh, God, man. I, I get, Look, if you hear how to fuck up, I guarantee you, man, keep listening. All right, so anyway, so with the ketamine, I noticed the correlation, and this may be psychosomatic, but either way, that the intensity of the trip correlates to the intensity of pain relief. In other words, if my trip can be kind of, quote, wild, then I get more pain relief. The reason why I'm bringing this up is I can literally take it. Like, there, there becomes a point with ketamine, at least my experience, where it's like you got this crossroads and something kind of little bad shit kind of crazy happens. I don't know. It'll be like a color or I, I have a tendency to fucking... Um, think I'm on the Oregon Trail and shit, and I'm, like, fucking, like, y you know, trying to fucking, anyway, but, so, uh, we're, okay, so, it's, or I can just sit there and just have a nice, calm fucking trip and text and maybe even create some art. I can go either way, you know, sort of, um, but I intentionally take it to crazy time, and so, so, what I've noticed by doing this, it's like I'm having a sex dream, but, like, right before the money shot, you wake the fuck up because the last couple ketamine experiences I literally thought I was close to figuring out how to fly by shooting fucking flames out my heels now it's funny we're not supposed to we're supposed to all be like oh well that just sounds horrible it's really fucking cool you know um, it doesn't make any of this worth it, but it's like, it's like, it's, it's why I hated fucking golf, dude. Golf was like a fucking slot machine. You'd, I'd go out there and fucking hack around the course and get like two or three shots and be like, oh God, it just, right? It's like a slot machine. You never knew. But this, this thing, man, so I'm really excited tomorrow, man, cause I'm close. But there's also, you know, some deep shit happens. Like I, I've got a lot of stuff going on. Like we all do, you know? I I got a lot of stuff on the plate, you know, heavy shit to consider, and, uh, you know, it doesn't, I, I tell you what, it, 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 it helps me procrastinate, sometimes procrastination's a fucking life skill, dude, anyway, so, we'll see, you, you know, um, now there was this one time, uh, one, not really a bad experience, but here's the thing. It's not like I'm, okay, you go in and there's a lobby and like to the left, there's a reception desk right there and to the left are like the ketamine rooms, right? And I'm always in the first room, which is where right by where the receptionist desk is, where everybody is sitting, right? And I'm like, the first couple of these things, dude, I'm worried I'm going to get kicked out, you know, like 86, you know, because it's like, you know, the things that are coming out of my mouth, I mean, I'm not being cruel or anything, but it's like, it's wild what's going on, man. And if you, those recordings are on, on podcast episodes, I think I actually uploaded a video on YouTube, but I've got a couple examples of my experience that I did as, I, honestly, truthfully, um, 
just I just for educational purposes. I didn't. It wasn't like I thought. Because huh. every fucking douchebag thinks, "Hey, I got a great idea for a podcast. What's that? We'll get fucked up and we'll record it." Well, look, I've done that, and it is a lot of fun for the user, the listeners. Like, what the fuck, dude? Fuck this shit, man. If I want to see a train wreck, man, I'll look in the mirror, right? You know. Anyway, so. And, and I tell you what's weird about life is this is probably like mental illness or fucking ketamine imbalance, dude. But I really like, like, I'll take this attitude because, you know, I think when, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I was one week away from spinal surgery and they called me up and they said they're going to reschedule, that was really hard. But it was also when I realized I had a different mindset and I fell into this mindset of uh um it's hard to well I don't want to I don't want to get too into it because we're not we're not talking about my shit per se um so but the point I'm trying to make is so I tried to flip this script and what I mean is um more of the Stockdale paradox I I wasn't in the Stockdale paradox I had hope but I I, you know faith that I was going to get out but I was suffering so bad and I allowed myself to put a lot of stock into that surgery and once again when they pulled it away I almost, you know, I spent like the weekend researching assisted suicide laws in Colorado. That's and so I was like, okay, dude, it's time to sack the fuck up. You know, let's let's, you know. And that's so this is a living example, I think, of where I actually before would have the Stockdale paradox applied in my life but somehow you know you lose your edge you know and I think the closer something got to be in reality the more I allowed myself to just pin a lot of stuff on there so um I'm trying to work myself out of it you know they reschedule for the 20th of December I'm not keeping track like I was whatever man it's like I'm going to try to figure out a way one of the things I want to do is uh um I, you know, and it's, this is going to be a work in progress because I'm literally just figuring out shit as I go along. But I have to uh, be independent. And, you know, so one of the things I, I really desperately want to do is, like, kind of start like this, uh, I don't want to say not profit, but this kind of, I've talked about it before, but like this this 24-hour stream thing where it's people like me that are, you know, spinal injuries or whatever, really just thrown off in the corner, forgotten about. And I'm not going to go into the details, but it's always something I had, like, okay, I'll wait for the surgery to do that. I'll wait for the surgery, right? Because, you know, you, you can only sit in a chair for four hours a day. You, you know, there's a lot of stuff I kind of like put off until I'm out of that. But I'm going to try to figure it out. And I don't know how I'm going to do it. But, you know, we'll do it one, you know. I, I think what I'll do is tomorrow during the ketamine trip is I'll ask the fucking mechanical fucking machine elves, man. Hey, what do you think, man? How should I go about this? But it's really weird, dude, to be this fucking old, 57, and to be this, like, you know, back to square one. I met a woman yesterday. Dude, like, this story will break your freaking heart, dude. This is why there needs to be a documentary or something in waiting. I First, there needs to be a documentary on people waiting in the airport, right? But documentaries in doctor's office in the waiting room. 
you know um so and i i I, i'm to the point now where i really dig not not the doctor's appointments but i go early because i dig the potential opportunities for conversation and there was a older woman and it put it in context right i'm 57 so you know i'm older than god's dog but you know we started talking and how we brought how we started talking is she was mentioning some a, a bunch of her friends that had just recently passed away and and you know um i you know expressed you know i'm sorry and and we started just talking and you know i you know i have found that people that are in my situation will just you know so i just made it hey i'm a guy we'll just sit here and listen and she boom and basically here's her story she was married for 59 years she was uh Grew up in New Jersey. Her met her husband. They got married when uh, she was 25, and they started like this farm construction business in Pennsylvania. Did real well. But her husband, the doctor, said, "Hey, man, you got to move out west." And you know, I've heard of people conditions. They got to go to the drier climate. So they lived in New Mexico for a while. They didn't farm, but had a little construction business. And for you know, over time, the parts unknown, Colorado. 59 year marriage this wonderful life he passed away a year ago and so you know i remember being younger and uh, and and i'm perhaps i'm really embarrassed to say this but you know like as a kid like you know like you know five and under scared of older people almost you know and then there's a period of my life where i would just uh, why ignore a lot of things and 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 this woman's story was just heartbreaking but also the resilience man because she was like telling me about you know she's decided to do a fresh start got rid of the house all the old stuff got a condo you know she's 86 years old she's in a seniors group that plays bingo hey you know she's but you can see the pain you can see the pain and it's heartbreaking and then you think and it got me thinking and it's like this all the suffering that's out there you know it's just right at our back door let alone worldwide man oh jeez I, I I think I'm not a good person I don't want anybody ever but there's something about going through this that has made me really soft it, it, I don't know if it's a good thing you know but oh my god I mean but I hide look if you if you look if you have to go to the fucking doctor's office which is I know is a real fucking drag odds are there's gonna be a couple frequent flyers there like myself that's gotta go fucking do a test every other fucking day or something they'll talk to you man and listen to their stories fucking you know war heroes these rich lives and now but you can see because I, while I'm not her, I can I can definitely know what it feels like to be all alone. No spouse, no kid, gone. You know, you're not 20. You're older now. So now it's like you've got other things going. But you're very survival. And that's what she was talking about. You know, it's dependent on being connected to other people. And you see that, you know, when people are disconnected, it's just like, it sounds so fucking hippie. But it it just seems like there could be, there could be, you're not going to cure anything. Not gonna cure a thing, but you might be able to avoid a crisis or help somebody hang in there a little bit longer. 
just with like human connection it's unreal you know but it was to just to see the the sadness the loneliness the fear all of it man and i was you know humbled that she felt comfortable enough to share it with me and it was quite a story man you know it might be a function of where i'm at you know i'm in Colorado, but I'm in this small town close to Get Canyon City, which is a little about 40 miles from Colorado Springs, 40 miles from Pueblo. So it's got like a Walmart, but it's, you know, most of the businesses, it's a small town, but it's a lot of people come here. I'm, I'm putting two and two together to retire. And, uh, you know, as we get old, these things happen. And that was the other thing with this, uh, you know, this conversation. I mean, she is right out there. I mean, I've heard so many people, you know, that, that I didn't bring it up, but she brought up the subject of death. And, uh, you know, and any time this comes up, or even if I bring it up, it's just kind of like, look, we're all, all of us, man. Jeff Bezos, too. All of us. Elon Musk, you know. The end of all this is just gonna be us you know and all this other stuff that we did while it really cool it's just it's not gonna help that is humbling that is overwhelming if you if you don't do ketamine but she was talking like that this 86 year old woman you know but i hear a lot from i just bring it on you know it's like i'm not judging you know, but so many people in, in these, in these, I mean, they're still in the, they're still in the fight, don't get me wrong, but it's almost like the fight's on autopilot, and I recognize that, oh yeah, I'll go to that point, you, you just, you're doing, you're going through the motions, you're going to your appointments and stuff, or whatever, but you're really not in there, and if something were to happen to end it all, it wouldn't be too disappointing, and I can definitely fucking understand that attitude, you know, and uh but she was just uh she was an amazing amazing woman amazing story man so i guess if i were to pass on any knowledge that i've learned in my old age is that there might be something to the waiting rooms of uh of you know hospitals clinics i'm gonna t not to this one maybe i will they like me there you know and say hey look you've got a lot of frequent flyers like me how about you let me have this side office man and while they're waiting they come in and share their little fucking story i mean i just think it would be cool i don't i wouldn't do it there but I just, it's too invasive, there's HIPAA, there's all kinds of shit, you know what I mean? What I'm saying is like, it's one of those things that looks good on paper, but there's a way to talk to them away from that environment, but it's just, it's fascinating to me. And once again, this just may be a function of being disconnected uh, from people because, you know, I had, you know, I got her, I was disconnected three years, I had just returned to the world for a couple of months before COVID kind of started rocking and rolling and then lockdown in my experience everything went south you know more south than what he was and so i've been disconnected you know in, in, in a for a long time in, in the sense of you know the daily rhythm of getting up and you know that i don't i don't have that you know and so, uh, once again, it's just, I'm not complaining. It's just, that's, you know, but I recognize that, you know, the things that I might be into, you know, may be more a function of that, what I've talked to you, than any semblance of uh, normalcy, so to speak. Real quick, I'm going to take a, I'm just going to switch this.
I went to grad school for uh, two things. One was uh, I want an MBA. Why? Because they told me if I got an MBA, I'd get, make more money. I hated it just as much as I hated engineering, which was my undergrad. But anyway, the other thing I went to grad school, it's, it's, people, they call it Six Sigma. Uh, business analytics has got some aspects of it, but it's called statistical process control, which is, is oh, God. Anyway, um, I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, oh, now, you know, there, you know, there's a, you know, too long didn't read statistical process control is just making things efficient with less errors. It's there, right? In a the most inhumane way possible. But and but I did I have learned something like efficient, like multitasking. So like before I do a live stream, what I do is I will pre-pack like three bowls. Like just for, that may sound like, oh, that's a lot. I, what, everybody's different. I usually, I usually, a bowl is usually maybe one to two hits. I don't really pack it, you know, um, cause I'm not a huge fan of smoking. So I definitely don't want to be like, you know, drilling down into the ash to get the remnants. I'm not that dude. So anyway, but so, you know, because of that education, I now know, wait a minute, you know, maybe if you pre-pack during the show, you would save time and it would make the, you know, the, the, the fucking content that's just just going out that it's riveting that much more efficient dude so anyway i was gonna say i was gonna pack a bowl but i forgot did i uh i leaned out my operation man and i got a zero defect environment dude if you dig where i'm coming from if you dig the kind of vibe i'm putting down i gotta tell you something i don't know who's got the worst what what business culture has the worst buzzwords i used to think it was it robust architecture with a topology and oh my fucking god you know um the only thing i miss well i i i lied there's there's some things there's a lot of things i miss about my early working before I don't know, I grew up or I got corrupted and became, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess we all have the same story. You don't need to hear my bullshit, but, um, you know, I, I think because I have to, you know, I have to at fucking dig this at fucking 57 years old with, you know, right now, you know, situation where, you know, you sit for like three, four hours a day. I'm going to go try to find it. You know, I can't, here's the deal. I can't do what I used to do. It's hard to explain. It, it It's like all that analytical thinking fucking causes uh, a lot of back pain. I, I, I know that sounds weird. So I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to be when I grow up, dude. And, uh, you know, what my biggest fear is this. Well, one of my biggest fears is... You know, I'm not angry about what I'm getting ready to share. But my back injury occurred at work. I had a shelf fall on in my office. Freak accident. I don't even remember exactly. I couldn't. I, I don't even want to try to relive it. But, you know, and and the night before, we, I was at a uh, retirement party. Not a retirement. A buddy of mine was changing. I, I was a, worked for a federal agency. He was changing federal agency. And so we're having a goodbye to our little fucking, you know, off you go. And my new 
manager was there and it was a national problem and I was a senior manager. I'm not going to get into the reporting structure, but we did we did nationwide support. So working odd hours, odd locations, not uncommon. In fact, it's the expectation. So there's this fucking stuff going to shit. This is Saturday night and our fucking email's going ballistic right in the middle. We're in this bar party thing and I tell them, I said, you can relax, you know, basically I'm going to go in around fucking noon and we do a conference call. It, it was just the nature of this particular problem. The, the, the quickest solution was to get all 30 different departments on one fucking call, not let any of them fucking go until we all solved the problem. Because if you didn't do that, you're pinning... And so I just had a technique. And it was easier to do there with, you know, all that professional fucking landlines as opposed to... So anyway, this was not uncommon. But gee whiz, it was a Sunday, and wouldn't you know, on my official fucking job description, it says my core duty hours are fucking nine to, or eight to five, Monday through Friday. Gee whiz, it's not workman's comp. So I go, okay. So I navigated past that. And then they go, we're really concerned for you. We want you to see a doctor. Here's the doctor for reasonable accommodation. I knew exactly where this was going. And of course, the doctor says, hey, you really shouldn't be traveling. Okay. My job was sitting on my ass. I mean, I, you know, the only thing is, yeah, no travel. They said, now nah, we can't do that. So, I was, I was, so the point I'm trying to make is I'm not angry about any of that because um, it's the system I signed up for. And as a fucking senior manager in this government agency, I've done my fair share of fucked up things. And, um, however, to go through all this only to come out and work for some fucking heartless fucking, you know, we all have to make bread. I just hope, man, that I can do it in a way that's a little bit more noble than what I used to do. I'd like to do something helpful. I think I've got good ideas. And like I said, I'm in a position now where I just have to try to figure out how to make it happen. You know, and so enough about my... I want to... Gosh darn it. I want to dance, man. ADMF. I want to dance, man. Clayton. All right, so now... Uh-oh. Okay, whew. This fucking pod beam, dude. This it does some weird shit. All right, I accidentally did some. So real quick, we kind of got off topic, but that's okay. That's okay. I want to tell you what I'm working on. I'm gonna start having guests on again. So I'm gonna talk to Tammy. She's a life coach, physical therapist. I'm gonna see if she'll talk about relationships. I want to start, you know, having something a little spicy to talk about. Also, I've got uh, real two real good friends of mine that are doctors. Uh, one is no longer a doctor practicing, but they work in uh, pain management. They're good people, man. Fucking great people. You know, it's like fucking Brian. He's like one of he's like, dude, you're supposed to be fucking arrogant, man. <laughs> you're, you're a doctor, dude. You're not. I mean, because Brian's just like, dude, he's just he's fucking cool, dude. And he was telling me because he knows I, I like to get high and fucking, you know, it's almost like anthropology. Now I'd like, you know, I, I want to fucking, you know, and he's so he's got a place. He lives in Missouri now. He's got a place out in fucking Lake of the Ozarks. And he's like, dude, you got to come out here, man. Get high. He goes, these people will fucking blow your mind. 
he goes you'll dig him you'll dig him but you know he goes it's like it's a it's a whole other subculture out here you know like not hillbilly edigy or elegy but maybe i don't know but he's a good dude what's really kind of well for him it's like uh you know the Wi-Fi spotty. I always, I used to love those kind of locations. You know, my, I used to, oh God, I still get triggered when I get email. I don't want to talk about my corporate PTSD. But anyway, yeah, I want to start having guests on, I mean, guests on again, man. That was once again something I was going to wait for, but most of these guys got Zoom capabilities. Dudes at the dispensary want to come on and talk about not only the pot, but getting back to ketamine. I'm very, I'm excited about the potential of, uh, you know, plant-based medicine, dude. And what I'm trying to say, let me just say, man, shrooms, okay? But perhaps I'm an old fuddy-duddy. In today's world especially, I don't give a fuck if the person's cool, dude. I just like to know what I'm buying has some, and that I'm going to put into my body, has some semblance, dude, some semblance of oversight. I know the odds, you know, and if I know what I'm doing, but when I hear stories about, if anybody knows what the fuck Kratom is, and I know what this is, it's an herb, just imagine a bunch of tea leaves grinded up, okay, it's got, it's got, for some people, it's, it, everybody's got different biology, for me, it really works, as far as pain killing, well, it's not, look, if your arm is chopped off, no, but, um, I would say it's got the pain killing properties of a Tylenol 3, or like a 5 milligram Percocet, without the fucking bullshit, that a fucking fight, you know, it doesn't have the pain miller, you know, a 15 or if you're on oxy instant release, not that I'm, I'm not even on that shit, but I'm trying to equate it to because a lot of people uh, will use Kratom um, as a bridge between their next dose because their painkillers aren't strong enough or whatever. I've used it. it. It's great. But I was reading a story, a kid, why somebody would buy fucking Kratom of all things. But I mean, it's like me buying fucking potassium supplements on the street. But, um, somebody bought Kratom and was laced with fucking fentanyl, you know? I don't know how. I'm, like, thinking, you know, why, you know, you know, are we cutting fucking, you know? But, you know, and you'll hear, you know, in the, in the, in the ether, you know, stories of street weed here and there, in the ether, in the ether, you'll hear this, right? I just, like I said, in today's world, man, you know, if, if something I'm taking is gonna, like, fucking potentially take me to the land of Oz, man, I just wanna make sure that it's, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a wholesome trip, man, you know, it's just the way I think, you know? And once again, that's probably a function of my fucking age. Look, that didn't keep me from being a fucking, uh, you know, all this bullshit I did in the past with drugs. So we're not, you know, but we're talking about now going forward in life, you know, um, you know, so I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, this kid at the fucking at the dispensary, you know, you know I was talking about ketamine and I said, you know, dude, I, I really think maybe, you know, my I could get a lot of benefit from my particular situation out of microdose. 
you know. And this kid was like, oh, yeah, I do, I'm doing it right now. It's fucking Colorado, man. It's like, it's weird, man. <laughs> it's like weird. It's like, it's, it's like, imagine... It's cool in that, imagine being surrounded by everybody stoned. Now, that might sound cool, but like the person ringing up your grocery, everybody, you, you know, it's, or, or, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It's, it's, it's hard to explain, man. You know, it's cool, you know, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a, at least here. I mean, and I came from fucking Norman, Oklahoma. It's not like I was coming from fucking Philly, but it's definitely a different pace. It reminds me a lot of this part of Colorado as far as, uh, a lot. Because see, I'm in the, uh, Royal Gorges and the mountain ranges. I think they call it, what do they call it? Um, the Tenderfoot, I think, the Tenderfoot. And, uh, so it's a little bit drier, more of a high altitude desert vibe kind of feel. And a lot of the, a lot of like the geology around here, which is like fascinating, is it made me wish I would have paid more attention to it. It's because I had like one class in geology in college. Because I, I mean, I, had, I was an engineering major. It was like calculus, physics, and fuck God. But I took this, I wanted to take this fucking astronomy class, but there was this geology class. And it was like, uh, I just wanted to take it. It was like volcanoes, dude. And he let me take it for elective, but it was heavy geology and the dude was a professor was just really into it. he just he was into it right and unfortunately at that time in my life i wasn't going to school for an education in other words i just wanted how do i get out of here so i can start making money so i didn't appreciate it and now because like around here like the royal gorge these huge uh, a lot of the i'll do some i'll do live streams uh there's a road here called skyline drive history of skyline drive is this Early 1900s, uh, the Colorado Territorial Prison was the labor force. An engineer, and they just blasted their way, basically, um, and created this road that's carved into this mountain. And you can just drive it to the very top. It's a single-lane road. It's really kind of cool, and you got some lookout points. It's called Skyline Drive, right? So I've done, like, a lot of... uh, There's a lot of... I've done some live streams there, but, like, a lot of my Photoshop art and stuff I'll do in the puppet shows some of the stuff in the covers will be from Skyline Drive man so but when you get up there it's like, like you, you know, this this area is apparently is known for like dinosaur stuff. People come from all over the world to like study, and you'll see fucking evidence of it. But then the thing that's a trip is realizing that the very top of this, when I look down into the fucking valley of the town, that that was beachfront property, dude, at one time. You know, and you start, you take a really good look at North America. This fucking continent got the shit beat out of it, man. And it just, it's like, you, you know, and it's just, fa- I just, it just makes you want to learn more about, okay, man, what was, you know, how do we get here? The other thing that's a trip about this area is, and I've got a, I've got a little bit of information on it, um, is they have this, uh, Pioneer Cemetery. And there, there are people that are, that are buried from the Civil War, you know, people of Spanish-American War. It's fascinating, you know. And they'll have both sides of the Civil War, and it's interesting for whatever reason. Uh, the 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 North soldiers are 
are on the uh, south side of the cemetery and vice versa. I don't know. I'm studying. I haven't opened, cracked the book to figure out why. But there's there, apparently there's some really interesting stories of the people in there. I've always been a bit of a history geek, but I think the older I get, the more history has become something that has become important to me. Learning about. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I have nothing to pass on. I'm trying to figure out. No, I just it's something about these ketamine trips. A lot of because I'm in this setting, and that's why when I describe you know what's happening to me on the ketamine trips well a lot of what's happening is a function of my current setting so i'll find myself like you know i'm not it's hard to explain these aren't like these are like just kind of like what i'm imagining i'm not like hallucinating unfortunately but but there'll be a lot of like settings on skyline drive or you know kind of in this environment either now or like the dawn of time see there was this one ketamine trip where i was on the top of skyline drive just doing a live stream like i do now and next thing i know i'm still there but it's not 2022 man it's like you know fucking dinosaur era and shit you know that was fun dude and so um you know but anyway this is a this is a a pretty cool area and so it got me thinking i'm like okay if i could somehow figure out a metal building I can roll with this thing. So I fucking, I can't wait to hear from this realtor, man. I call this real estate agent up. And he goes, so what kind of house? I said, look, man, no, no, no. I'm looking for a metal building that's got plumbing and fucking, you know, that's it. I want to have a studio to do help that I can live in. We'll see how that goes, man. I, if see if I was still in when I was in Oklahoma, not that not that I was anybody, but I still had a little you know because my plan in Oklahoma there was like two or three different communities I was going to talk to and say this is what I want to do, and you know I'm I'm willing to pay for this, but you know man if you because whatever I get's going to need a lot of fucking work if you guys can help me like not get killed and you know get this where it needs to be you know that kind of support me a little. Because, you know, I'm going to put everything I got into this, you know. So, not that I'm asking for don't give me anything. But, like, if you can, like, cut me a solid on the contractor deal or something. You know what I'm saying. So, um, but that's, like, you know, I'm not in a, I don't know, I don't know. I know a few people here a couple times I've done open mics, you know. But I can't be consistent, unfortunately. I'll tell you something, though, man. Um, uh, uh, if you ever get to Canyon uh, City... Uh, last a couple open mics I've done in the city of Florence, uh, um, Gary Marine Shoe, the shoes, they're an acoustic act. They're absolutely incredible. And they're such nice people, but so talented. You know, they play like multiple instruments. Um, but they they will play with a group called Voice of the Canyon. And, and, and I, I forgot, I think his name is Mike. And he was at that last open mic. And, you know, there's a, the, you know, real, the, the people here are, are welcoming if you get out, you know, and that's the thing, you know. So I've been, it's, it's, a, it's a neat area. I can see why a lot of old people are here. But see, if it weren't for this accident, I wouldn't be. I'd still be, you know, quote, grinding. You know, um, and as it looks now, Clayton, maybe you got to, you know, why don't you talk to the city manager at Quincy? Because Illinois is on my radar for potential state. I'll tell you why. 
One is my good friend Guido Garcia. Yeah, yeah, Guido Garcia, who lives in whatever, real close to St. Louis, but on the Illinois side. And you know, even now, because I was like, he's he he's got he's got the dream job. He's retired, but he works for the Cardinals as an usher. And I'm like, dude, I can't fucking stand, man. Because he's like, come out here and do this shit with me. I said, I can't stand. He goes, you can maybe I can get you to work the scoreboard. I can I can hook you up. Now the plan, and this is back to the Stockdale paradox. I can't go there again, but I'll tell you what the plan was. Was the surgery was supposed to happen three weeks ago? By April, I was you know projected to be pretty good. I was going to be out there working for the Cardinals with Guido, smoking dope. And fucking doing open mics and trying to, you know, meet some interesting people and see what I can do with this podcast and, you know, just live life. But more, you know, work on, I want to I work on this documentary about my dad's Vietnam unit. And I want to, this is what I, I'll, let me t- explain what it is I want to do. I want to do a documentary on the Department of the Army, the Special Photographic Office. DASPO, which was a unit that was created by Kennedy. They were active from 62 to 74. Now, this is the pre-internet era, so they were almost like the live cams, if you will. They they had combat photographers, but this was a different unit. They would give they would get like quote the mo- the state of the art equipment, and these guys were charged with going out there in the thick of it, capturing all this stuff and getting it literally you know from the battlefield to the White House Pentagon like 24 hours this kind of thing and this is what this unit did and the makeup of this unit um, would be because the army would try to cherry pick the very best um, and and they would there would be a drafty film student or a drafty art student and, and photographer and these are so this unit was this mix of, of you know these these draftees that are you know in the in the in the journalists are you know but really at a high level photographers not really into Vietnam and you'd have some career guys or not really career guys my dad um, they made my dad was they made my dad an officer but he didn't decide to make the army a career eh, right around then he did but anyway but I want to do a documentary about this unit now I I. People from this unit have gone on to do amazing things. The stories are amazing. Um, I reached out to a couple. Of, my dad passed away in 2000, but there's still a couple of the folks that I remember from growing up, and and they said yes, of course, we would do anything, and you know, so I I I think I would get the cooperation of everybody, and I and I want to be able to tell this story right um and you know so i've described it yes a documentary but also like a you know really deep dive podcast book but the people that would be helping me do this would be people that are in my situation spinal injuries chronic pain put in a corner they can't get out of bed i've i've Whatever their situations are, I've been there and I've learned how to work around it to do some of these kind of things. And I just think it would be really cool because as senseless as a lot of my stuff is and, and, and the puppet shows, it's, always, it's kept me engaged, enthusiastic. It gives me 
and you know I've talked about there's other things I want to be able to do and I'm not just talking I want to be clear I'm not just talking about somebody who's physically injured some there are a lot of people that fall into the category of ignored you know of just disregarded and 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 people have given up on that's what I'm talking about you know because I also believe well, I, I, I'm not going to go on and on because I got another idea, but I, I really have to be healthy for that. But this is what I want to do. Now, unfortunately, you know, I was telling my brother, I am shooting to get through this broke. That's success. If I if I don't owe anybody, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy because these injuries will destroy your finances. I'm not complaining, they, but they will. They just do. This is what they do. And, you, you know, I'm fortunate. I had family to kind of take me in while I'm riding this out, right? And, I, you know, I get a little pension. It's not much. It's okay. But, you know, if I can get healthy. But I, once again, before I was waiting for that surgery, so I need to, fi- I'm going to figure out, but I'm already talking too much about it. But anyway, that's the, that's the initial thrust. And there's a bunch of different things it hits on. You know, are my skills where they need to be? No. That's why we. That's why you stay tuned because we. You eat the elephant one bite at a time, man. You eat the elephant one bite at a time. In the book Outliers, they're talking about man. How what? How come so and so such a great guitar player? How come so and so so good at that? How come so and so so good at that? You know what it comes down to? Reps. They they go like the people that became really great hockey players had X amount of more times playing hockey at a particular age than the other kids. It's repetition. It's not wake up and it happens. So and I'm not this is like I'm not a filmmaker. I'm a guy that's conned his way throughout life man i mean seriously i would sit in staff meetings dude and not have the first fucking clue what they were talking about and beyond that even if i did it was so mind-numbingly boring i couldn't focus more than towards the end of all this i couldn't focus more than two seconds in a staff meeting a twitter tweet fucking you know it had to be shorter than a twitter tweet you know but no it was just like and i would sit there and i go like what have you done dude what have you done not that hard on myself because once again there's also this concept always remember this because people go like it happens with faith crisis divorce there'll, there'll be something people will wake up one day and let's just say they believe in santa claus for 40 years and then somebody tells them santa claus they, they just all of a sudden don't or it's right and they'll go like man that entire time i believed in santa claus was a complete waste i feel like i've wasted life and you look at that as a complete waste that is one way to look at it but the other way to look at it is wait a minute what are the things that believing in santa claus did good for you and maybe believing in santa claus allowed you to get the things and all the other things that you need to have quote in place to be able to approach this second phase of life in a way that has much more meaning than just grinding it out right because that first phase was making the mistakes and doing the things and building up the quote infrastructure you know mentally too spiritually whatever it is for you and then you look at that and that's what i look because it's kind of like 
Um, cause it was like, like the Marine Corps, man, I bet you about it, but I, I would have fucking did the smartest fucking thing I ever did. Because without that, as much as I joke around, I, I needed somebody to step in and, and give me the fucking, just straightening out that I needed. And I recognize, I recognize this. I told this story. There I was in downtown Tacoma. My 1976, I had to drop somebody off at the bus station. I just graduated high school. I had just barely graduated high school. 1.2 GPA. That's right, man. I got an A in independent PE. It was my wrestling coach. I would sleep on the high jump mats. I'll never forget, he put on one comment, makes great use of time. Anyway, after I dropped my buddy off, the bus station as he goes off to his tremendous life to college at University of Texas and he's a good friend of mine he's a professor at Montana State now and I have no prospects because I've just recently got shit camp from my busboy job now my 76 fucking Buick Skylark blows up and I knew it was just amount of time because the tires were all completely bald and they were shooting out the radial things and there was a gas station across the street and the 50 dollars the fucking attendant offered me for that on fire car represented my total net worth so i was like yeah man i took that 50 bucks and i bought a six pack of rainier beer at this place that didn't check id and i got on a bus back to my place drank those beers on that bus and i said you know what you used to have it together man Let's go find that person and get a little push there. So for me, but everybody's got a different story, right? So all the stupidness, and there was a lot of it, and all the bad. Without it, where would I be with my six-pack of Rainier beer on that bus? So I'm thankful. Much like Alcoholics Anonymous, which I'm not a fan of the organization. If it works for you, that's great. Having said that, instead of railing about how screwed up I think AA is, I'm grateful that it gave me something to do um, to help break a pattern. I also really liked um, knowing that everybody's equally fucked up. That was nice. That's that's always nice to know because I always know we're all fucked up and we're lying to one another but it's always nice to kind of get confirmation on that and then the and and the concept of you know if you really are going through some hard times you know and this is counterintuitive and i know it sounds cheesy but really the way out of that is like trying to help that's why i'm trying to do the stuff i'm trying to do it's not because i'm a good guy it's like i'm desperately trying not to focus on how fucking horrific my situation is i'm selfish but um you know so those are good those were good you know the other stuff, man. I'll do another. I'll do a dev- different podcast because it wouldn't be fair right now. Because I'll say this. I just want to make sure. If I wish, you know, I I haven't still haven't drank. You know, I I quit drinking in 2010. I haven't drank since. But if I if AA, you, you know, I would I would go to AA if I if I was drinking. I I you know if I needed it. I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know. 
all my fucking issues with it. If I needed to use it, I would use it. Because I will do anything to not fucking drink again. Because I'm a real fucking idiot, you know, when I drink. So I'd like not to do it. Fortunately, and I think the accident, a lot of things happened, reset my head. And and the thing is, and I and like I said, I don't want to rail on AA, but I don't resonate with a with a mindset of we're all fucking idiots and broken and dipshits. I think it's important to keep humble and, and be aware that we're imperfect. But this business that, you know, we've got a disease and we're fucking degenerates. And the only hope is this fucking program. That just is weird, man. And there's just ancillary weird stuff in AA culture. that It's just like being in a weird church, man. Hey, I saw that picture. You know, you might be out to dinner. And whoever you're with is drinking a glass of wine. Do you really think it's a good idea to be that close to alcohol? What the fuck, man? You know? It's... I had to sponsor the other thing. Well, okay, shit, I'm on the topic. Sorry. By the way, once again, I've got... These are my opinions. I've got fucking a, a friend I love that AA does a lot of good for, okay? My opinions, I think we need all different types of people. People, once again, like I said before, like religion. We we need people that, that can look at the world one way. And pe- so this is a live and let live. Um, I don't want AA to go away. I don't, I, people need it. I, you know, and they're not, I'm not better than anybody or anything like that, okay? So I just want to make sure that you know this is not like because it's well not I've said that I'm getting ready to really fucking slam them but one of the things I do have an issue with is you know most people that go to AA for the first time are probably in a pretty vulnerable spot to overuse a fucking term okay this this business of a sponsor that you completely you confess and you work all these steps it's almost like Scientology with the you know you you, know, you have these you know, the, you know technically they want you to tell okay I'm I'll tell you every bad thing I've ever done. You know, this kind of thing, right? But this is some random person in AA. Now, they say may say it is a good person. There, there was a there was a sponsor in my home group in Norman who was, uh, and I had no idea. I knew he was a doctor, but he had just recently got his medical license back because he was a convicted pedophile, and he was getting ready to get busted a second time, and he killed himself. Sponsor. So you don't know who, you know, some people are court ordered to AA. You know, I have to, like, um, when I coached my daughter's soccer, I, they, they, did a, they had to do a background check. I just, there needs to be some sort of, that, that's, that's some of my issues, you know. I don't think that's a safe in today's world or in any world, you know. It's, it's, it's just, it's, 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 it's an environment that if, if you or the type of person that is a hostler. You will prevail in AA in that model, you know, as a, you know, the, the wise, sober one, man, but deep down, yeah, I just, I'm not saying it's everybody, but AA does not help themselves when they won't make that simple change. And maybe they've changed in the past uh, eight or so years, but to not make that change, I just think that in today's world, in today's world, it makes no sense, you know? So one would say, you know, you start getting getting very close to the perimeter of cult. But everything's a cult. I'm not I'm not gonna get into this bite model, man. These broad ass non scientific fucking Yeah, I mean but I think the I think the term cult needs to be Really, yeah, I, 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 it gets, it's kind of thrown out. Is Scientology a cult? 
I don't want to offend any Scientologists, but I would probably say, yeah. I'm reading a book called A Billion Years by Mike Rinder. I just got it yesterday. Okay, well, reading is, it's the audible book. And I listen to them when I do video editing for my puppet shows. So uh, tomorrow after ketamine, which is going to zap my head, I'll probably listen to the whole thing while I zone out and animate Nucky. But anyway, the beginning of the book, here's here's why I got the book. Unfortunately, in today's world, a lot of these tell-all books are embellished. For example... Believe it or not, and I, you know, because be, de- getting out of defecting out of North, escaping from North Korea sounds pretty badass on its own. And there's been some books out there about the experience. Two of them I read, only to find out later that a lot of what I read were embellishment. Why is that? Uh, and I'm not because the economy's driving it. Because there's a subculture in in South Korea. The more sensational the tale of the fact. The more likability views and all that thing, you know, heat. So it's incentivized. So, and I can go on and on and on with examples of, uh, it's not just this. That's just an example of this kind of, uh, of embellishment. But Render... Um, he seems like a guy that's gonna just just lay it out there, not embellish. He just seems like a logical. Cause I don't know about you guys. You spend the money. I I, I respect time so much now. And if somebody is, if I'm gonna invest, you know, twenty hours, and and I find out that I, that was all like fucking just make believe. It just, it's like, fuck. So I just don't like, I don't know, I'm, I'm weird about this. Especially now, because it seems like there's a lot of this. There's a, you know, I, I don't, you know it's, it's, there's a lot of myth-making going on. And we buy into it. The fucking press never fucking fact-checks a fucking thing. It's, it's laughable, you know? I mean, and so I just, I just, you know, don't want to be in it. So... Having said that, I think Rinder's not that kind of person. I don't know the guy, but I can tell you that just the opening of the book is powerful because it's a letter to his kids who he hasn't seen since he's left Scientology, and it's tough. It's tough to hear, and it, it and it you know all the. All the sensational stuff we hear. Ooh, do you hear about this freaky stuff? And all the clicks and views. At the end of the day, this is a guy. This is a, a guy who's a little bit older than me. Cut off from his kids. Because he decided to not crack the egg the way he used to cra- read Gulliver's Travels. It's a metaphor, cracking the egg of the different ways of communion. Anyway, it's, it was using... So anyway... It's heartbreaking, and so far, but I'm not that far into it. It's been really good, but I hope to get through it and do a full book report here, man. If this, I, you know, I'll ask him to come on, but you know, I think he'll look at my my puppets and decline, dude. But you know, we'll see. Anyway, Clayton, thanks for hanging in there. This has been uh, this has been a blast once again. These late night radio shows are just geared to a different vibe. They're just about the old school AM radio that I kind of grew up on, man. It'll just be some guy just babbling, man, talking about whatever. And hopefully, if people want to call, people can call up with crazy stuff. You know, just kind of 
talking about the fringe subjects and, and things like that. So we're going to continue to keep working on this. But once again, man, I'm thinking this is going to be a thing. This is going to be our daily, our schedule, nine to whenever. I think, I think. I will appreciate you guys hanging in there. Once again, please like, subscribe, review, blah, blah, blah. Don't worry. I, we're not just going to do these live radio shows. There's going to be produced content. So please subscribe to the YouTube page and check out the podcast. There's going to be new episodes of not only the puppet shows coming this week, but also the Countdown to Soon series, which is uh, where I talk about my uh, spinal injury and journey, as well as, I hope, by trying to line up another guest for our profile in pain. Uh, anybody hears this, wants to come on, let me know. But it's late and it's time to go to bed. Got ketamine in the morning. With that said, I want to wish everybody nothing but peace and love. Good night. This concludes another episode from the Art of Floundering podcast. We hope that you will like, follow, subscribe, and review. You can find us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, or wherever you download your super-duper peachy keen favorite podcast. On behalf of the Art of Floundering podcast, I want to wish each and every one of you nothing but... Peace and love.